0: Ready to learn why cash flow and compassion are not mutually exclusive? Each week, brand strategist, speaker, and author, Maria Ross, will introduce you to the trailblazing brands and leaders who embrace empathetic tactics to reap huge rewards. You'll learn about winning teams, brand wins and fails, unforgettable customer experience, and bold leadership decisions fueled by compassion. You'll get the latest trends and research, discover practical ways to infuse more empathy into your work and life, and hear from innovative market leaders who've smashed outdated models and redefined success. Welcome to the Empathy Edge podcast, the show that proves empathy isn't just good for society, it's great for business.
1: You know when you read something that instantly ignites something inside of you, inspiration, acknowledgement, or even spurs you to action... We can all think of quotes or books that have done this for us, but what about sales and marketing copy? Messaging that makes you say, oh my gosh, this is exactly how I think and feel. I call it writing that gives you chills. And I strive to deliver that kind of brand story to all my clients. My guest today, Alexandra Franzen, is a gifted writer who quite simply writes words that speak to your heart or make you stop in your tracks. It doesn't matter if it's an inspirational missive on her blog or marketing copy to attend a cool new event or buy a new course. She has a magical gift for writing with empathy. Today, we'll discuss exactly how you can write with more empathy, yes, even if you're a B2B company, and how to create a human connection as an online or digital business. So many great tips and advice on today's show that will make your business more successful and ensure you're more intentional about your customer's experience and journey. But first, a little bit about Alexandra. She's a writer, consultant, and entrepreneur based in Hawaii. Her sixth book is The Checklist Book. Set realistic goals, celebrate tiny wins, reduce stress and overwhelm, and feel calmer every day. Other books include You're Going to Survive, which is great, by the way. And So This is the End, a love story. Also great. She's written articles for Time, Forbes, Newsweek, HuffPo, and Lifehacker, and her work's been mentioned in the New York Times Small Business Blog, The Atlantic, and the LA Times. She writes about a wide range of topics, life, love, death, grief, unplugging from technology, creativity, focus, productivity, simplicity, time, and how we spend it. Alexandra is also the founder of the Tiny Press, a publishing imprint specializing in very short books, 100 pages or less. Her books include Say It Now, which was a number one Amazon new release by Sherry Reichert bellul Wishwork by Alexa Fisher, featured on Good Morning America, and Your Next Level Life by Karen Arrington, which was nominated for a 2020 NAACP Image Award, Outstanding Instructional Literary Work. As mentioned in today's episode, you are really going to dive deep and get some great tips on how to write with more empathy and create a more empathetic customer experience, regardless of if you're a brick and mortar or online. Take a listen. Welcome to the Empathy Edge, Alexandra Franzen, my friend who I haven't seen in a very long time. Oh, too long. Too so- long. Too long. And it's funny because you and I only ever met in person one time at a workshop you held. We worked together for many years virtually.
2: It feels like we've spent more time together in person than we have.
1: (laughs) Totally. Totally. You were my initial writing partner in crime when I first started launching my business. And it's been wonderful to see your journey and your growth as an entrepreneur. And we're so excited that you're here today to share. A little bit of that success cake with us a little slice (laughs) and talk about because you are one of the first people I went to when I was thinking about writing the empathy edge and you initially helped me articulate the idea that I was trying to communicate and you were the perfect person to do that because everything that you do and you have done in your writing is infused with empathy
2: and so I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today Thank you. I'm so excited too. And I still remember when you emailed me and you mentioned that you had a new book idea and you told me about it. And I just was immediately so excited. What a beautiful book concept. What a message, medicine that the world needs right now. And you just went for it. You know, like, I mean, really, like so many people are like, I'm going to write a book or I have a book idea, et cetera, et cetera. But you, got it done. I can't believe I got it done, but yes. And you got it done while running your business and being a human in this world and being a mom and all the things. And I mean, really like that's no small feat. That's a big deal. And I know as an author myself, like you spend so much time crafting the book. And then when it finally comes out, sometimes you almost forget to celebrate, you're just so, or like, okay, you're done, like, on to the next. But I hope mm-hmm. that you took some time and still are taking time to just feel really awesome about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. And that's, we
1: need, we should do a whole other episode about, you know, writing accountability because that was the thing is, after having written other books, I kind of knew myself well enough and knew what I needed to do to get it done. And I found the support I needed. A mutual colleague of ours, Sally McGraw was my amazing editing, writing coach and pseudo ghostwriter in parts. Mm -hmm. And I knew, I was like, if I don't pay money to somebody to kick my butt and someone who's expecting pages from me on a weekly basis, this book will never get written because I have a kiddo, I have everything. So Yeah, we should do a whole other one on accountability sometime. But you are such a gifted writer, which is how you and I crossed paths to begin with in the universe, because I fell in love with writing that you had done for a friend's website. And I was like, who is your writer? And you have just gone on to be an amazing writer, publish your own books. And you are a writing teacher, you lead workshops for people. And it's not just writing like, I mean, you love poetry, you love short story, you love all kinds of forms of writing. But what I love about you is you help entrepreneurs connect with their audience. Yes, sell their stuff, but more than that, really create a connection and a relationship with their audience through a sales page, through a landing page, through a free guide. And so How does one write with empathy? Because that's the word that comes to mind for me in terms of the writing that you do because everything of yours that I read, it's like you're a voice in my head. How
2: do you do that voodoo? (laughs) (laughs) That's a thank you for the beautiful intro. Yeah, so I mean, my understanding in terms of just the basic definition of empathy is that empathy is understanding and sharing the feelings of another, right? It's sharing the same emotions. So if you want to write for your business, write your your marketing newsletter, write your email series, write your podcast script, write your website copy, whatever it is, you just have to get inside your customer's mind and heart and really think about, you know, the people that I serve, my clients, my customers, my readers, my audience what are they going through right now, right? Right, Like what's on their mind? What are they thinking about? What are they yearning for? What are they struggling with? What are they thinking when they both awake at 2 a.m. in the morning full of anxiety? What are their dreams? Some questions I love to ask whenever I'm working with a client or whether I'm writing something for my own business is, you know, like kind of imagining even just like one customer, someone, maybe someone you know, or like an ideal customer and asking yourself, what would feel like a miracle for this person right now? Like if that person could wave a magic wand and just like have something or change something about their life, what would, what would feel like an absolute miracle for them? And then whatever that is, like maybe for depending on what kind of company you run, maybe getting a full night's sleep would be a miracle, right? And you sell wellness products to help achieve that goal or maybe writing a book, right? Would be a miracle. That's true for a lot of my clients, Mm -hmm. right? So think about what would be a miracle for that person. And then that's what you deliver to them. You deliver that miracle through your newsletter, through your podcast. If you use social media on social media, you deliver it in the form of a product or service, like let your whole business just be, sending <laughs> like that <laughs> miracle to people. And yeah. when you do this, that's when you start getting the emails from people who are like, how did you know? Or it feels like you're inside my head. Are you spying on me? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you really strong emotional resonance mm-hmm. with people where they feel like you get me, right? Mm-hmm. And that's so powerful, that kind of intimacy. So- that's my
1: my take on that's how to, your That's your little um, trick, your yeah. little magic trick. And I think, you know, what's so important too is also what I've been out talking about with the book is that especially in business, if people get a little uncomfortable about the squishy emotion part of it, empathy is also just understanding someone's perspective. Even if you maybe can't quite relate to the feeling, because I think that comes once you start to understand, well, how is this person seeing the world? And like all the questions you asked about what are they going through? What would solve their problem? What would feel really good right now? And then you can, you know, if you want to back into the emotion, you can start there and then say, okay, how might that feel? Like when I haven't been able to find the resources that I need to do something, how does that make me feel? It makes me feel frustrated. It makes me feel desperate. It makes me feel whatever. Oh, that might be what my client or my potential client is feeling. And so it's funny cuz every part of my every brand strategy project I do with a client whether it's B2B, B2C, we go through this ideal client exercise and not about like what do they think of the product but what is their life like? Like what are their hopes, their fears, their values, their uh, what do they love, what do they despise? And you can map that into whatever your product or service is and speak to them that way. Like one big example is when I work with solopreneurs, you and I work with very similar, you know, women-owned businesses. And a lot of times when they are targeting women, some of the women that they might target are really busy, frazzled working moms, let's say. And so, yeah, what is that like, right? That means like I have no time and I need something that solves a problem for me very quickly. So that means you don't go and produce like a 30-minute video that they have to sit and watch. You know, like it helps you figure out what the right things to do for that person is or what the right things to do are, not just how to say it, but how to deliver it and how to give that experience as
2: well. Yeah, absolutely. Like really thinking about your customer's life, their situation, what they're going through, what they're feeling. It's not, I mean, yes, there's there's an emotional component to it, but it's just smart business. Like you're (laughs) then... You're then better able to serve them and help them get the result that they want and help them be a raving, happy customer who talks about you and refers people to you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think empathy in business is just about understanding what is my customer need, how can I give it to them, and how can I help them to get whatever outcome they're looking for in hiring me or purchasing my work?
1: Yeah, exactly. And now, you know, what's interesting about you is I get this question a lot because we are in a very digital age. Many businesses are run online where you may never have a live interaction with the person that you serve or even the prospects that you have. They might be subscribers to your email newsletter, but, you know, they might email your customer support line, but you may never meet them. You may never even know their names. And so how do you show empathy when you're communicating via email and via a newsletter? And what are some tips you can share about how you make that a personal relationship, regardless of if you're a one-person show or a large company that is interacting with their customer base online? Yeah, it's a great question.
2: Like, how do you create a human feeling? Um, Exactly. And a human connection. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean I can share a couple of things that I'm currently doing in my own business. So I was a solopreneur for a long time, just me and doing wearing all the hats, doing all the things. And something shifted, particularly last year, I hired my first full-time employee and then another part-time employee. And then several more contractors, freelancers have joined the team since then, and I'll probably be hiring another employee later this year. So a bigger team is in place, still a small team, all these. Mm-hmm. But what I'm, what's beautiful is that I really had this fear that if I was no longer a one-woman show, if I had, you know, a community manager or a customer support person or something like that then somehow that beautiful intimacy that I felt with my clients and students and and customers would be lost. Right. I felt like "Ah, I'm going to be, I'm going to feel so distant and disconnected. I'm not going to know what's going on. Right. People are going to be disappointed that they're hearing from was instead of from me and I had all these fears about letting go of some of that tight control Mm -hmm. on you know every email that comes into my inbox right it's been really beautiful to see how wrong I was (laughs) about all of that you know as one example I I hired this incredible woman named was And she is basically just a basket of love and joy. And not only does she provide such beautiful customer support, but frankly, she does it faster and better (laughs) than I ever did. So I think as long as you hire the right people, you can still have this amazing sense of intimacy and closeness and care and humanity, but you may need to hire and get help Mm -hmm. As your company grows and as your audience grows, mm-hmm. uh, I'm at a point now where if I have 200 or 300 students in a course that I'm running, I can't serve all of them at a high level all by myself. I just don't have the hours in the day. Mm-hmm. So getting people on board helps with that. But some fun things that we've been doing lately to create a lot of humanness and yeah. is Okay, this is really silly, but I'm obsessed with it. I, I have a, I have a rescue dog named Zuki, and he is basically my child. I'm mm-hmm. kind of disgustingly obsessed with him, and it's yep. you know it's that situation. So I thought it'd be so fun if I created an email account for Zuki. So I invite my clients, customers, newsletter readers, etc. They can email. Wolf at ukanget done.com. You can get it done.com is my site where I have all my courses and things, Uh and get a reply from Zuki. Uh, (laughs) And and this was just like, I know that people, especially right now, are just like exhausted and tired, and the world feels scary. And it's like, when is this pandemic gonna end? And there's just a lot of heaviness on people's hearts right now. And I know that because I feel it too, right? So by doing this dog email, like I just wanted to send some joy and delight and silliness into people's lives because I feel like that's the yeah. medicine that we yeah. need. Right? So, and that's like, you know, it doesn't take much time. We set up this fun autoresponder that's like, woof, woof, bark, bark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then when we have time, we also send personal replies in the right. same. But people love it, and it's I know it has brightened so many people's lives. and uh-huh. it's it's just like a fun way to help people get acquainted with my company, my brand, our style, our team. Mm-hmm. Um so that's like a really small thing that has been a
1: delight. I, well, I love that because you you know the the reason you're able to do that so successfully to your point of hiring other people is you were very clear on your brand and your voice because it was you for a long time. Yeah. and you brought that natural empathy and connection to your writing. You were very authentic. When people write to you, you respond with care. I know you do. I think you do a whole course on effective email writing. Yes, you still offer that. Okay, great. Because it's it's great. Um, but this idea of, of being intentional with how you communicate digitally, I think gets lost in the efficiency of it for certain mm-hmm. companies. You know, like, oh, we can just have an autoresponder. And instead of doing anything... That can create a further brand connection with that autoresponder, they just let it be the bot, right? Like, thank you for subscribing. You are right. now, you are now on our list or whatever it is, instead of using it as another brand touch point, which mm-hmm. it sounds like what you've done with Zuki and his email <laughs> account. Um, but but what what enabled you to do that? Because before you were doing live workshops. All you know, 90% of your communication and your interaction with your customers was via email or newsletter. And so what, what was that secret sauce? Was it again, just making it more personal, making it more, you know, being more intentional? What, how did you manage to do that in a way that now when you hire the right people, you can make sure you're bringing on people that can replicate that for you?
2: Yeah. You know, because I'm a writer, communication is just so vitally important to everything that I do. I'm Mm -hmm. very, very intentional with every piece of communication with my company from the postcard that we mail to a former customer to the automatic message that people get after they subscribe. Like I put a lot of care into everything. And when I was bringing on some people to join the team, I gave them some communication guidelines. And Mm -hmm. one of the guidelines was, when someone emails our company, whether they are a reader, a fan, a longtime customer, a client who's invested $100,000, whether they just discovered us yesterday, we treat every single person with respect and appreciation, regardless of whether they're a paying customer or not. Mm-hmm. So we Treat everyone with the same level of respect and helpfulness and appreciation, even if they've never purchased from us, even if they don't purchase from us for another two years, right? Mm -hmm. So an example of this is like, you know, let's say we get uh, just kind of an email from someone somewhere out there. And it's a college student who says, Hey, I stumbled across your website, I noticed that you're an author. Um, I would really love to write a book someday. I have no idea how to get started. Anyway, my name's Jenny. Bye. Like, <laughs> like that. Um, you know, A lot of companies might just sort of disregard that email. Like, oh, they're not ready to become a customer. They're not going to send us any revenue. Mm-hmm. This is just an annoyance, right? Right, right. Or they might send a really formulaic response. Mm-hmm. Um, I've trained my team where we're going to respond to Jenny and say, that is amazing that you want to write a book. We need more female authors, especially in the world. And Hey, here's a couple of quick resources that might help you out. We really hope that that, you know, inspires you. Mm -hmm. And, and by the way, you know, if, and when you're ever ready, we actually offer a course on book writing, maybe you'll check that out, yada, yada, yada. And we would Mm -hmm. send like a great book to read a great podcast to check out, things like that. Mm -hmm. And have a variety of email templates mm-hmm. that we can use to respond to like the 10 to 20 most common types of emails that we get. So right. it's not like my team is reinventing the wheel and spending two hours answering every single email, like mm-hmm. we're doing templates, but we're doing it in a way that's, you know, uplifting, generous, helpful, again, treating everyone with the right. same level of like excitement and appreciation regardless of whether they're currently a customer or not. And I think that concept mm-hmm. um, feels so good. It, it makes you feel excited to answer emails. Yeah. People can, on the other end, on the receiving end, can really feel it. And we've gotten such great feedback. I mean, people tell us all the time, like, I didn't expect to get a reply. And like, wow, and it, it, it's a beautiful thing. And it forms so many great relationships. And, and then who knows where those relationships might lead.
1: Exactly. And I think there's so many important little nuggets you mentioned in there. The idea of first of all being clear on what your communication guidelines are is really important, you know, in essence the brand. What do we want to represent to people whether it's someone emailing us to sell us something, whether it's someone emailing us to buy something, whether it's a student emailing us just to say hey, you're rad, you know. <laughs> you know how will we respond? But also I think providing templates is great combined with the fact that I'm going to make a big leap here. And I don't think it's that big of a leap with you to say that you've very intentionally hired your people so that you're hiring people who can think on their feet and have that empathetic bent to them so that even if they're using a template, they know how to customize it in the moment to respond to whatever. So it's a template in that it makes your team more efficient, but they still have wide birth and latitude to personalize
2: that with that interaction. Yes, absolutely, and this is where it's called EQ, right? Mm-hmm. Like your equation. quotient. Yep. So, yeah, hiring people who have great instincts, who are intuitive, who are kind, who have that high EQ, and can just mm-hmm. kind of feel out, like, okay, this is one I can I can email in this way. This is one where I'm going to tweak it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then there are times where you know, Waz, who primarily handles my inboxes currently. She'll leave a couple emails in the inbox with a star, and we have a system where that means, "Hey, you know, I think this is an email, Alex, where maybe you should reply personally." My gut's just saying, "You know, this is one that should come from you." Right. And and yeah, so much of that—I mean, it's yes, it's system, it's templates, it's process, but it's also instinct, right? Yes. the instinct of how to take care of people.
1: Totally, and those are things you can't teach, and you know, we talk about that all the time when. I'm talking to companies about you create the culture you hire for, you create the culture you reward. And so if you can look beyond the resume and hire the people who have situational fluency, you mm. can adapt in the moment to someone and someone's needs that's worth more than someone who, you know, is well-trained on your email system. You know, you can always train someone on that. You can't train someone on how to, how to be able to read someone and, read through the lines and discern yeah. what someone really needs. And so I love that you've translated that into an online business. Cause I think there are some people out there who think it can't be done or to me, that's lazy. It's sort of like, okay, well, I'm just going to automate everything and forget that there's human beings on the other end of it. And you see yeah. that a lot when people have really restrictive policies, you know, especially, unfortunately, there's a lot of great solopreneurs I know out there. And we talk a lot about setting boundaries and that's super important. You cannot let people take advantage of you. But when you create such restrictive guidelines for how you operate as a business that you leave no room for the humanity of it, then yeah. you're just like, you're making it too hard for me to do business with you.
2: Mm. <laughs> and, and to your point, like, you know, we sometimes feel like, well, the internet, the online world, it's so cold. It's so techy, It's so impersonal. There's no humanity, but yeah, like you, I would argue, you know, I mean, I know someone recently who went into a brick and mortar in-person business to get eye surgery and Had quite an unpleasant experience where Mm -hmm. they were kind of left waiting outside. It was cold and windy. Dirt was getting in their eyes. They weren't given any communication as to, like, okay, here's what happens next. And here's how we're taking care of you. The receptionist was really weird. Like, so much about it was just not okay. Yeah. And, And then on the flip side, there are online based businesses where every single moment of the customer journey is just like, Dripping in humanity and connection, and you know you yeah. feel you feel something totally with that brand. So online is not necessarily cold, and offline is not, necessarily, not necessarily warm. warm you know, like, um, yeah, there can be huge blunders either way, or huge wins, and and right. Warm. It's the intention. Again,
1: if you're thinking of it as a customer experience and a customer journey, even if you are, you know, even if you're a website designer or you're an online business and it's very transaction oriented, you can still create an experience that people will talk about. And as, you know, my buddy Jay Baer always talks about, empathy is a talk trigger for word of mouth marketing. Just Sadly, we talked about this on a podcast episode, it's unfortunate that it is a competitive advantage that so many other companies don't see it as, that. but it, uh, right now it is a competitive advantage. If you just show a little bit of empathy and a little bit of intention around your customer's experience and journey, you can win.
2: Yeah, so true. So true, right? And I mean, like at the end of the day, everyone, almost everyone just wants to feel respected appreciated, heard, heard, you know, taken care of, like, Mm -hmm. it's not complicated, right? It it takes some, as you say, intentionality and thoughtfulness. Mm -hmm. And you're so right, like a little can go a long way. (laughs) (laughs) I, I remember
1: years ago, you told me a story about at the time you had a business where you were helping co run a cafe. And you talked about even the experience of customers having to wait for their table. And how you thought, how can we make this better? Them waiting the half hour for their table. So that That like from the moment they start interacting with us, it's an amazing experience. And I think of that so often in brand experiences that I have all the time. It's like, wow, this is a wasted opportunity for this company to be taking advantage of the fact that they have a captive audience right now. And instead of making their captive audience grouchy and cranky, (laughs) they can actually delight them in that moment. It doesn't take a lot of money. It doesn't take a big process. It can be as simple as like a free cup of coffee or something to help them in that experience.
2: Yeah, so at that cafe, like you say, uh, that's exactly what was happening is as we started to get more busy and popular, We would have a wait list. It was a brunch restaurant, so Uh people show up and and they're hungry. They're they're hungry. They're (laughs) angry. And so we would have these longs of hangry people, you know, waiting, 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 sometimes an hour to get. Mm -hmm. And they got, you know, some some were very lovely, and some got pretty grouchy. And Mm -hmm. we we created some amazing systems and one thing we did was we got this huge like bulletin board and we wrote we wrote on it while you're waiting you could and then we had a list of like fun things to do like play with the tarot deck play a game of poker call your mom right meditate on the immensity of the universe (laughs) have a drink you know whatever and then we put out like games and books and coloring sheets and all these things mm-hmm. and, and we you know if people wanted to purchase a mimosa or get a cup of coffee or whatever cha-ching like we ended up yeah. doing these sales because people would get you know treats and drinks while they were waiting which mm-hmm. brought them up. and people it was so cool because you could just see like from the moment they walked inside with that like hungry expression on their face uh-huh. the moment they saw that sign they were kind of like Okay, like we're yeah. in we're in like a fun, cool place. <laughs> yeah, right. This is
1: gonna be a good experience for us. And I think it goes back to that fundamental thing of like, what are they going through? What do they need? How are they feeling right now? And what can I do as the business owner to turn this into a delight for them? Yeah. But you have to be thinking outside of your own motives right. and thinking about looking at it from their point of view, right? Really? And And there's so many restaurant owners who unfortunately don't take that point of view and say, well, they're just lucky they're getting in because we're so in demand, right? Like it's good for us that there's an hour wait because that means we're in demand. It's like, okay, there's nothing empathetic about
2: (laughs) seeing it that way. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, in that instance of the restaurant, like what they're feeling and what they're going through is really simple. They're hungry, they're thirsty, and they're bored. (laughs) exactly right they probably have somewhere to go after this yeah how can we meet that need and the other thing we noticed was that they there was uh they they felt kind of lost if they if they didn't understand like who do I talk to where how do I put my name on the list how long is it going to be when how will I find out when it's my turn like people wanted to know what's the process here so that I'm not just sitting here you know right praying that a table opens up. So that was another thing we addressed. We came up with like a really clear process for how it works. And we would communicate that with every single person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, these are, I'm so glad you brought up that story, which I totally forgot about because <laughs> it's like a thousand years ago. It's a
1: thousand years ago. But, <laughs> but you know, also, again, it comes back to your core competency, which is also communication. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. a lot of times customer dissatisfaction is, I see it almost 90% of the time. It's because of a lack of clear communication that if they just knew, and that's where the empathy comes in. Oh, I see that you might be frustrated that we've put you on hold for so long. So I'm going to come back in every five minutes and let you know, I'm still here. I'm still working on it. I find that very empathetic when I'm stuck on a hold line, when they come back and they're like, we know you're still there. We're still researching. Just give us a few minutes. You know, it's like, oh, they haven't forgotten me right? Because that's yeah. what I'm thinking. I'm thinking they've forgotten me or I got disconnected. And so this idea of like, I really believe that, that such a large percentage of companies issues with their customers could be avoided with clearer communication.
2: 100%. <laughs> I not, I just I... tell
1: them just, and I do that even when I get upset, interacting with a business, it's like you find out the thing. And then my marketer kicks in. I'm like, you know, it'd be really helpful if you just tell people that because they might not get so angry. You know, it just, this just happened with something. My son signed up for a sport that my son had, obviously with COVID, there's a lot of regulations and they accidentally communicated, like they kind of said, oh, we don't have the, per- we're waiting on the permit. And so of course the parents that signed up and paid their money freaked out. Cause they're like, how come you didn't tell us you didn't have the permit. And I actually contacted the owner and I found out they actually had the permit. It was the city. It was the school district that was delaying. So they were waiting for that hold to be lifted. And I was like, again, the marketer in me was like, you should maybe communicate that to the parents because they're all really mad that they think you screwed up and you didn't. It was this other thing. And if you'd just been transparent about it, then it'd be great. Oh, you're working on it. But yeah, it's that idea of like not being fully honest, not being fully transparent, that just that's where people feel a lack of empathy because they think, okay,
2: I'm not getting the full story. That's right. And, and also, you know, making a decision to purchase something, especially if it's expensive, you know, registering your kids for a sports program or SAT tutoring or, you know, booking a trip or whatever. If it's a big investment emotionally or financially, uh, most people, they really want to know, OK, what should I expect? Walk right. me through it. Like, I want to feel secure. I want to feel safe. I want to feel like I'm being taken care of. This was a good decision. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Like I've noticed that I've taught courses online for many years. And each year I get like a little better and better and better at this step of the process where nowadays, like when someone enrolls in one of my courses, boom, immediately they get an automatic email. That's like, Hey, here's exactly what to expect. Here's the course schedule. Here's Mm -hmm. if you have an issue. Here's what you can look forward to. Like it lays it all out. Mm -hmm. And at the bottom of that email, I actually have a PS that says, hey, we'd love you to just quickly confirm that you saw this. So click reply and tell us the secret password, coconut, just just indicate, saw it, read it, got it. All make sense to me, right? And we people, it didn't get caught out. in your spam filter, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So then people reply, and they're like, "Coconut, thank you so much!" And <laughs> it's just like that little that little moment of yeah. letting people know, "Here's what's up. Here's how right. we're taking care of you." It takes relatively little effort. I mean, it's just an email, and this right. means, but it makes such a difference. It's huge, yeah.
1: It's huge. And I think too that a lot of times what I see, even dealing with like schools and whatever, it's. They feel like they can only communicate with you if they have the answer. Mm. And I'm always trying to tell people, no, actually it's empathetic. If you just communicate them, we know you're wondering if blah, 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 we don't know the answer to that right now, but we're working on it. Like it's okay to go to people with incomplete information because the idea of communicating with them and letting them know, you know what they're thinking and you know what they're worried about right now puts people at ease. Yes, absolutely. Because you know? otherwise they're like, I don't know what's happening. Are they thinking about this? Have they thought about this? Like, why have we not heard anything? And it's like, it's okay to come to someone and say, our status update is it's still TBD. Right. Like, yeah. don't wait three months when it's
2: BD. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me know you're still working on it. Right. <laughs> Okay, a really quick story about this exact thing. So when pandemics are not happening, one of the things that I normally do a couple of times a year is I host a creative writing retreat in Hawaii. And usually it's like anywhere from eight to 12 people will come and it's this beautiful week of yoga and meditation and stargazing and writing. And it's super beautiful and I love doing it. So one of these retreats was scheduled. This was a couple of years ago. And it was coming up, it was maybe like two months away, it was sold out, you know, people had paid in advance, everything locked and loaded, everything great. And then, <laughs> what happened? Oh, the volcano I started I was going to say, erupting. was it the volcano <laughs> year? Yeah. <laughs> the volcano started erupting. Oh my on gosh. the end of Hawaii. And... While this was going on, it just so happened that I was also going through like a personal crisis in my life. My relationship of five years was also melting down, much like the lava flowing. (laughs) And I was selling my house and moving. I mean, it was just like such chaos. Right. And and then the volcano. (laughs) I remembered feeling like, oh, my God. First of all, it, what's going to happen? How long is this eruption going to be going on? Is the island going to be engulfed in flames? You know, will I have to cancel my retreat? Are people going to start emailing me tomorrow morning and asking for refunds? Like it was so chaotic. And so what I did kind of instinctively is exactly what you're talking about. I immediately reached out to everyone who had registered, even though I didn't have all the answers yet, but just mm-hmm. to let them know the facts mm-hmm. and what we know for now And when I'll be in touch with them again, because one thing that was interesting is that the mainstream media throughout most of the United States, it made it seem like this eruption was literally just like engulfing the island. (laughs) In reality, it was like a very, very small area of this one downslope. I don't want to minimize it like it was very disturbing. And it, it wasn't did, like lava flowing in the city streets. And exactly. yeah, like it was extremely destructive and it, mm-hmm. it did destroy some property. Um, however, it was a relatively very, very, very isolated Localized. area. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the big island is very big, right? So <laughs> one of the things I did was when I reached out to my clients, I said to them, I'll be honest. I don't know exactly what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Nobody does, but I'm on it. Like I'm tracking yeah. air quality. I'm looking at the latest information from actual like scientists on the island. Here's a map of the island and you can see like all this area and then this one area with love. So I just let them know what was going on and kept right. them informed. And fortunately, everything worked out beautifully. I right. um, we were able to do the retreat, no problem. Zero people canceled, mm-hmm. which I was so grateful but also like amazed because I thought for sure at least a couple of people would be like I'm out I don't know yeah yeah people I think really appreciated being kept in the loop and having that kind of empathy and communication along the way so that they felt secure and safe in telling their families like bye I'm going to that island that's that just had the (laughs) volcano (laughs) (laughs) eruption." yeah Yeah. And, and it ended up actually being such a win because during the retreat at night, you in the darkness, you can see the glow of the red lava way off in the distance. And that's like a once-in-a-lifetime experience to see that. So people ended up actually being really excited about it and they like mm-hmm. wanted to go lava watching. <laughs> so yeah, it could have wow. been a disaster, but it turned out to be the beautiful thing. But that's so
1: proactive to just, I mean, you knew like, again, empathy, like they're probably wondering what the heck is going on. Yeah. And and you would have, you know, given all you had going on in your life at that point, like you would have been in full rights to like, just be like survival mode. But you know, that idea of, well, it's your generous spirit anyway, but just, you know, I need to take care of these people that have entrusted me to do this workshop. They've entrusted me with their money and their time and their mental commitment? And what do they need to hear right now? They just need to hear I'm on it, right? And they just need to hear the facts. And so I mean, really just being intentional and thoughtful, that's kind of like the theme throughout this whole conversation. So as we kind of wrap up, I want to get to a really interesting note about your business, given that you run an online business, you have very strongly gone out there about the fact that you are not on social media. And you even run courses to help people market their business when they don't want to be on social media. So talk to us about that, because I think people use social media as the substitute for the human interaction when they run an online business. They feel like that's the only way I can have the conversations and the DMs and the this and the that, because I don't have a face-to-face business. And Mm -hmm. you have proven that model incorrect. You have shown that you can run an online business effectively and show empathy and be connected and engaged with your customers without being on social media. So can you talk to us about what advice you have around that and someone looking to do that? How can they replicate what they perceive as the human interaction through social media
2: in other ways? Yeah, Totally. Yeah. So my personal story, really briefly, which people can read more about on my website, I have some articles on it that I've written, is for a wide variety of reasons, I decided to delete all of my social media accounts about six years ago. And it started off with just one. I left Twitter first and then gradually over time, I just deactivated all of them. Mm-hmm. And I have many reasons for why I did that, including a desire for privacy, wanting less distraction in my life, less feeling, stress, you know, yeah. less <laughs> space in my brain, you know, all kinds of reasons why I made that choice. Right. And my stance today is I think that social media is actually really amazing and it's a. I don't think it's evil or bad. Yeah, it can be used for good, like any tool, right? Yeah, just like anything else, just like a podcast, just like email, just like a newspaper. Social media is just a channel of communication and it can absolutely be used to do wonderful things. It can also be used to do very destructive things, but the same is true for anything else. But mm-hmm. what I often tell people is, if you love social media, like if you love Instagram, you love doing Instagram live, you love doing Facebook live, you find a lot of joy and fulfillment and you're, it feels like an art project to you Mm -hmm. and rock it out, do it right. Like that's wonderful. But if you're someone like me for whom, it's just not your favorite thing, Mm -hmm. it feels distracting. It's not where you want to focus your energy and concentration thing. Don't do it. <laughs> right. right. And businesses have run for centuries without social media. So. So, and then, I mean, the, the biggest piece of advice I would give to someone who's feeling like, I think I want to step away from social media, but I'm worried that it's going to have a negative impact on my business is, start to remind yourself that there are so many ways to do marketing and to connect with potential clients and customers that don't require social media like you can start a podcast you can teach free classes to give people a little taste of what you do you can send old school snail mail like gifts and brochures and postcards you can do what I call like a 30 and 30 email challenge, which is where you make a list of 30 people and you email one person a day, just a personal email to just say hi and reintroduce yourself and let right. them know what you're offering right now and invite them to check it out or spread the word. You can send a press release. You can get profiled in the media. I mean, I could go on and on and right, on, but right. there are so many options mm-hmm. and you get to decide, you know, what you want your marketing plan for the year to look like. Mm-hmm. And it can include social media or not, or not. And, and either way it can be so successful. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think because social media is so dominant in our culture, it just kind of like overshadows everything else. And we begin to forget like, well, wait a minute, businesses existed before social media. Like, totally businesses have existed for centuries. And, <laughs> and there, there are other options. Like I right. have a lot of other options at my fingertips that I could pursue if I want to, that right. might feel better for my yeah. personality or my brand or my clientele. You know, maybe your customers are exhausted by social media. Maybe they don't want to be hanging out there. So maybe another way to extend empathy yeah. is, is to say, okay, I know that my customers are kind of Facebook exhausted. So Mm -hmm. how could I connect with them in some other way in some other place? Right. Serve them better.
1: Right. Yeah. I love that. And that's the thing is there are other ways to connect even as a digital business. And this is why, you know, for me, I try to put a lot of focus on building my email list, which folks, if you're listening, don't forget to go sign up at, TheEmpathyEdge.com and get your free resources and join the list. But um, a little plug there. But it's that idea of wanting to make that space. And there are aspects of social media. I love that you pointed this out where I do feel like an artist, I do feel like a creator, and a content creator. But the minute it starts to feel like a slog, or it's weighing on you, or it's like, Oh, it's this thing I have to do. I always talk about marketing with joy. Because if you are doing marketing that lights you up and that you enjoy doing, you're going to do it more. You're going to be more consistent. And when you don't, it comes through. It's like someone who bakes, who doesn't really love baking. You kind of can taste it in the food, right? And that's how I feel about marketing tactics that people say like, well, I'm doing this because I have to do it. I'm like, well, is that really the best choice for your brand? And is it something you enjoy doing? Like it's that Venn diagram of like, what do you enjoy doing and where are your customers? And I guarantee there's not just one thing that intersects that. So find the other things that intersect in that Venn diagram and, and leverage that as your, as your marketing plan and your marketing opportunity, because then you're going to enjoy doing it. You're going to do it consistently.
2: Totally. Okay, so I have a quick plug for a free resource on yes. my So, I have a list of 21 different ways to do marketing and find clients and customers without social media. I've seen that list. It's amazing. Yeah. Tell uh, folks uh, where it is. Yeah. So, I updated it for 2021. It's on my website, alexandrafranzen.com. If you click, I think it's under articles, it should be the latest article. And we're also going to turn it into a little ebook, which will be available soon. But if you're kind of like, I want to try some other ways to get clients and customers, but I just can't even think of anything mm-hmm. That's a list to get you started. And you might look at that list of 21 ideas and be like, nope, nope, I don't think so. Nope. Not what I could do. And then yeah. you start to figure out like, okay, here's like two or three or four things that I could be doing consistently and joyfully throughout the year. Yeah. And as to your point, like consistency is key, right? Like it's key Emailing a couple of potential clients one time, right? That's great. But if you do that every single Friday at noon, you know, all year long, you're going to get a big influx of new people hiring you. So the consistency part is like, well, it's, it's, also it's the, it's the joyful
1: part, and it's the jo- yeah. for me it's the joyful part because marketing should be fun. And even people that say I hate promotion, it's like yeah, but then you're doing the wrong promotion if you say that you hate promotion, right? So I remember I actually love doing courses, and I'm in the middle of like redeveloping some online courses for 2021. But but I remember a few years ago I was like trying to f- cram myself into creating this like four week course. And actually a mutual friend of ours, Jamie Greenwood was like, why are you doing this? And she's like, I can just tell from the way you've written the copy, you're not even excited about this. So why would anybody sign up for this? And I'm like, you're absolutely right. And I just scrapped the whole thing. Because if you're not excited about doing it, yeah, there's aspects of your business you have to do, right? We all have to like do invoices. We all have to do like, there's certain things that you don't want to do as an entrepreneur or as a business owner. But but I really believe that if you really believe that something is a marketing thing you have to do and you hate doing it, outsource it. <laughs> but, but I guarantee that's
2: probably not something that you have to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question for all of this. Social media marketing business is like, do I really need to do XYZ? Like right. we get we get into ruts sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. We're just like grinding away, chugging, chugging, chugging. And it's so important from time to time to take a step back and go, Whoa, why are these 20 things on my to-do list? Right. Are they even effective? Do they bring me any fulfillment or joy or revenue for that matter? Right, like, right. You know, reevaluating everything and really questioning like. Do I really need that? Do I really need to be on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and LinkedIn and like, (laughs) and run my business at the same time? Yeah. Or or is there another option? Is there another path? Is there something else I could try? I think that's one of the reasons why I think entrepreneurs really need to schedule like unplugged time uh, away from the computer, but also Mm -hmm. just like thinking time, right? Yeah. Taking a walk, or you're playing with the dog, or you block out a whole day with new no meetings, just to sift through your thoughts and make some yeah. decisions. And that's something I need to do even more. Than I, I know, do. me too. Life gets so busy, but it's so important. Oh.
1: Amen sister. Well, yeah. I am so psyched that we had this conversation. And of course, I knew it would. It went longer than I thought it would, which is great. But we're going to have links in the show notes, but for anyone listening while they're on the Peloton or on their bike or walking, can you just quickly tell folks
2: how they can find you? Oh, of course. Yeah. So, I actually have two websites right now. Uh, franzen.com just my name.com is where you can find my books, my newsletter, a variety of things there, lots of free resources on writing, communication, marketing, publishing, things like that. And then my new site is called (laughs) youcangetitdone.com. That's my site where I have my courses. So I have a course on writing and self-publishing a book, a course on marketing without social media, a course on email writing skills that you Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier a new course on how to create a mailing list, a newsletter that people love reading. Nice. So different courses to check out if you're interested. And um, aside from that, that's pretty much it. No social media. (laughs) No,
1: No yep. Get on our list, people. I actually love getting your emails. And you definitely don't sell in all your emails you are sharing your thoughts you're sharing your writing but i will tell you alex even the ones that you send where you're selling something i still read every word because i love it and i'm like yeah i just want to keep reading <laughs> so <laughs> i mean that's a testament to the fact that marketing and sales can be delightful you can delight people even if you know they decide not to buy from you they're not going to be annoyed so you know they'll still love you so thank you so much for being on the show today
2: Thank you. It's so fun. So fun. Really like such a rejuvenating conversation <laughs> and great to see your face. It's been way too long. I know. I know for my
1: listeners, I do these on video so I can actually have a conversation with my guests. For those of you who have yeah. said you really like the coffee talk vibe of this. That's probably why, although I don't have my coffee with me today, but thanks for coming on the show. Thank you all for listening Remember that cash flow, creativity, and compassion are not mutually exclusive. Until next time, take care and be kind.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Empathy Edge. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to share the show with others who want to redefine success and change the game. For more on how empathy makes you and your brand more successful, visit TheEmpathyEdge.com. There, you can download a free guide outlining five business benefits of empathy and a free sample chapter of Maria's book, The Empathy Edge. Until next time, remember that a more empathetic world starts with you and leads to tremendous success.